Today is Thursday, so I'm delighted to have back on my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And again, uh, really looking forward to this one, as I always do with Peter's fine presentations. The title today is The Real War That Threatens Every One of Us. So, Peter, where would you like to start us off today? We're being bombarded with war talk and war images, and it seems that there's a chorus of a narrative that we're getting from Western media about Ukraine and uh, uh, the war against Russia. Uh, But, you know, that's only one symptom and one of the battlefields in a far wider, far more intensive and long-lasting war that's going on. We are in a war. We're in a war of civilizations, a clash of civilizations. Uh, What we are seeing at the moment is, without a doubt, a war against history. There's a battle against history. You can see this. Karl Marx said the first battlefield is the rewriting of history and historic monuments are being targeted for destruction by volatile mobs stirred up by Marxist revolutionary agitation. Deception leads to bondage. The truth sets you free, but there's a war against truth. There's a cancel culture attempt to destroy the great Christian heroes and heroines of the past and great achievements. And of course, monuments are a part of that. And so the war against monuments is part of the war against history. And as Karl Marx said, the first battlefield is the rewriting of history. In fact, Vladimir Lenin said, atheism is the natural and inseparable part of communism. We must hate. Hatred is the basis of communism. And there's a lot of hate being stirred up. And Anyone who's read George Orwell's 1984 is aware of the the two-minute hate and uh, then the hate weeks and where they would mobilize the people to direct their frustration, their rage and anger towards some scapegoat, some bogeyman, uh, some stereotyped, uh, cliched, uh, cardboard cutout caricature of an enemy, uh, always separate from, from the context and the demonizing of the enemy and the the completely mobilizing of all kinds of hate, you know, whether it's a two-minute hate on the news media or the week of hate campaigns that when you've got the mobs in the streets like BLM and so on. Well, all of that is part of uh, mobilizing hatred. Hatred is the basis of communism. Also, Vladimir Lenin uh, had this slogan, we fight against God to snatch believers from him. In fact, a popular prominent slogan of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union was, Let us drive out the capitalists from the earth and God from heaven. So what we are involved in right now, let's face it, it's a war against God. There's a Christophobic element to it where there's this absolute hysteria against anything that could be respectful to Christ. As we can see when Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ film came out, this was something respectful of Christ and it conveyed something of the sufferings that Christ had at the hands of the conspirators and the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and in Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. And and the media went absolutely berserk uh, in hysteria against this. And yet it was one of the most popular, successful films in all of history. Uh, Nevertheless, we're seeing a real Christophobia where there's this not just cancel culture, but there's this hostility to Christianity and to Jesus Christ in particular, promotion of blasphemy through Hollywood. So what we're seeing is a battle for the family itself. The family is the basic building block of society. There's a war against marriage. There's a war against children. It's a war for the hearts and the minds. It's a war against men, against fathers, against 
patriarchy, they, they often like to call it. And there really is that kind of hostility because as goes the home, so goes the nation. Much of the world today is under a severe curse. And the Old Testament ends with this warning of a curse. Families are the basic building block of civilization. As goes your home, so goes the nation. And the last uh, words in the Old Testament are actually uh, pronouncing a curse. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That's the last words of the Old Testament, Malachi 4 verse 6. And so as the book of Malachi begins with a blessing and ends with a curse, uh, or I should say a warning of a curse, we need to see that we are right in our families. And what is going on right now? Considering how foundational fathers are to Christian civilization, it shouldn't surprise us that fathers have been singled out for the most ridicule and vicious attack. How many Hollywood films vilify and demonize fathers? In fact, Hollywood's most despised villain is the father. Patriarchy is hatred. Paternalism used to be something very positive to be fatherly, but now it's a swear word to the liberal left. As Robin Morgan, editor of MS Magazine, wrote, I feel that being man-hating is an honorable and viable political act. And Linda Gordon said, families must be destroyed. People must find better ways of living together. The breakup of families is an objectively revolutionary process. The Organization of Women in America declared marriage constitutes slavery. We must concentrate on attacking this institution of family and marriage. Freedom for women cannot be won without the abolition of marriage. Now, I would have thought marriage is there to protect and honor women, but no, they say it's important for us to encourage women to leave their husbands, not to live with men. All history must be rewritten in terms of the oppression of women. We must go back to ancient female religions like witchcraft. <laughs> so that's from the Organization of Women in America. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, said the best thing you could do with a baby boy is to kill it. Uh, radical feminists declare a man's role is uncertain, undefined, and unnecessary. And Putting a man on the moon is a good start. We should now put all the men on the moon and then turn off the oxygen. Gloria Steinem said, women need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And so we've seen how things have moved from when Father Knows Best was a popular TV program <laughs> a very long time ago to where now fathers are either the know-nothing idiots uh, or um, fools or downright evil. And so there's catastrophic social consequences by this war against fathers and this redefining of marriage and removing fathers and this hostility to the fatherhood of God is behind this continual attack on fathers by the secular humanist media and by socialist governments. And tragically, many men have given up and drifted away from the God-given duties and responsibilities. And what we are seeing is the children are being turned against the fathers, exactly as warned about in the last book of the Old Testament. And feminism has been waging a war against femininity. They call it feminism, but feminism is very anti-femininity. Uh, Ty Grace Atkinson said, feminism is the theory, lesbianism is the practice. Women must become disgusted with every aspect of femininity. You must become a lesbian to be fully feminist. And here's another quote from these radical feminists. Charlotte Gilman, housewives are parasites with the aspirations of a guinea pig. Kate Lombard, Mother's Day is sexist. This Sunday is meant to be Mother's Day. And uh, and here you've got feminists saying Mother's Day is something horrible. Vivian Gornick said, being a housewife is an illegitimate profession. Funny, the same people who say prostitution should be legalized and recognized as an honorable profession are saying motherhood is not 
an illegitimate profession. Louis Farrakhan said, all white men go to hell. All white men are termites and insects to be exterminated. So there's a war against men. There's a war against males. There's a war against fathers. There's a war against the family. There's a war against marriage. It's also a war against whites. And you can see this hostility throughout the world from critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, or Burn, Loot, Murder, Baal, Lucifer, Moloch, the whole BLM crowd. You can see it in the Frankfurt School of Cultural Marxism, where already back in the 1920s and 30s, Frankfurt School of, of uh, Marxism, of cultural Marxism, was planning the Gramsci strategy to work like cultural termites, to rot out the insides of the pillars of civilization in the West. And they identified these five pillars, the five culture-carrying, culture-transforming institutions of society, education, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, political institutions. And all five of these areas have been infiltrated. You, you can see it. There's absolute hostility to everything Christian on all of these areas. And the Marxists have been very busy hijacking uh, the schools, hijacking the so-called education ministries, which are now more like indoctrination gulags, the entertainment industry, the news media, which is now more like disinformation, distraction, than actual news media. And so um, how far does this go? Well, right down to a war against your thoughts. And uh, we're seeing a tactic to silence dissent. Uh, right back in George Orwell's 1984 book, which was written, remember, 1948, he said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth can become a revolutionary act. Free speech is hate speech for those who hate the, the truth. Truth is truth even if no one believes it. A lie is a lie even if everyone believes it. Now, in the past, in the Middle Ages, if political leaders wanted to silence dissent, then all he had to do was accuse his critics of treason. Because <laughs> being called a traitor was... Uh, the next, the next step after that was getting a head chopped off. And so normally just accusing a person of treason was enough to silence any kind of dissent. Well, religious leaders in the Middle Ages, like the popes, could silence critics and opposition by accusing people of heresy, you know, because heretics got burned at the stake. Well, today, the modern equivalence of these attempts to silence freedom of thought and freedom of conscience and freedom of religion and freedom of speech are racist, homophobic bigot anti-Semite, Islamophobe, Nazi, legalist, intolerant, judgmental, sexist. And they just carry on and on with all these different epitaphs and insults which are designed to silence you. And hate speech is what the governments call free speech that they don't like. This is now a worldwide phenomenon. It's part of a comprehensive war against God. This war against free speech is a threat to freedom. It's a threat to Christian schools to missions, to ministries, to Christian community radio stations, to families, to individuals, community radio programs like this. Innocent comments like, well, marriage can only be between a man and a woman, have now been constructed as hate speech in Canada, and it's been enough to have police investigations and criminal charges brought against people in parts of Australia. Uh, quoting scriptures such as John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Has been condemned as intolerant, bigoted, judgmental, offensive, hate speech. Pro-life comments and scientific reality like life begins at conception and abortion is murder. Have been condemned as hate speech by radical liberals in North America and Europe and Australia. So how far can this go? Well, 
George Orwell already warned us in his 1984 book, written 1948, that there will be thought police in the future who will prosecute thought crimes. And we had 1984 and Animal Farmers set work books in school in Rhodesia. And I remember reading those things in the 1970s thinking, well, it's really funny, but I mean, that could never happen. <laughs> it's just too extreme because surely everyone knows that free speech is good. Well, here we are <laughs> in the 21st century and they are most certainly going berserk, deplatforming and silencing and censoring. And this goes against <laughs> community standards like people who support blasphemy, perversion, pornography have standards. Um, well, apparently they do against Christianity and against the truth. So we've got gag rules and all kinds of restrictions on free speech. All of this has proved to be just a prelude for a tsunami of prosecutions and censorship and fines and ultimately even imprisonment for those not willing to sell their soul and violate their conscience and be intimidated into silence. And so we've got a lot of threats today on freedom, freedom of speech and every other kind of freedom from freedom of movement all the way through to trying to mandate that you must wear masks and you must have some kind of experimental medical procedure uh, injected into you and uh, that you have no right to uh, decide or to question it. So the Frankfurt School of Cultural Marxism had said, we need to work like termites within the five culture-carrying, culture-shaping institutions of society, education, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, so that at the end, even if they put many coats of paint over, at some point, the pillars are going to collapse because they've been rotted from within. And they said, that's what we need to be as cultural Marxists, working within the long march through the institutions of the West, especially educational institutions, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, political institutions, and we can see it. And the Sabbateans have their Luciferian agenda. Uh, the Illuminati is a very key element of this, and the Council of Foreign Relations, who've had how many cabinet ministers and how many secretaries of state and presidents of America and so on have gone through the ranks of the Council of Foreign Relations. The Bilderbergers are a real entity, and we've got a small group of very influential banksters who are determining the wars and manipulating the stock markets and organizing for the economic crashes, which destroy the life savings and incomes of how many people? But it enables not only the destruction of the middle class and the impoverishment of many people that they see as the enemies, but it consolidates more power and wealth in the hands of the, they call them the 1%, but they're less than that. Uh, the Sabbateans, the Illuminati, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Freemasons, the Bilderbergers, the, the globalists in a word, uh, who are working for a totalitarian globalist war. So we are involved in a war. It's a, it's a battle for truth. It's a war against truth. It's a battle against God. It's a war against God and against Christ. Uh, we are seeing this in the gender wars which is all part of trying to break down the very fabric of society where, where biological males can even compete with women and women's sports to make a mockery of everything. And the LGBTQ agenda, um, I had somebody say the other day that he believed in LGBTQ. I looked at him with surprise and says, LGBTQ, let's get Biden to quit. Um, well, that's interesting um, in that insight, but that's not what the uh, advocates of gender conversion and a perversion of pushing for. But this whole lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, um, queer and plus plus uh, ad nauseum going on down there, 
they claim there's some said there's 26 genders. Next thing I hear, there's 50 something genders. Now I hear there's 72 uh, different genders. Who can keep up with this? But we need to recognize we're involved in a war, a world war, a world war of worldviews, a clash of civilizations, a battle for the heart, a battle for the mind, a battle for the family, a battle for marriage, a battle for children. It's a battle for your heart and your mind. It is ultimately a war against God. And so we need to recognize that there's a clash of civilization. And in this world war of worldviews, we must confront and counter the evil spirits of our age. And this threatens all of us. And we know that the people who are trying to build up the war narrative in Ukraine right now, well, they've got an agenda and their agenda is globalism. And they're trying to remove uh, nationalist opponents to globalism. They're trying to hijack civilization. And we know that there is an agenda. These people have been working on this now for a very long time. And we need to be alert. There is this destroying the middle class uh, through uh, triggering banks selling worthless derivatives, which caused the 2008 economic collapse and cost tens of millions of people their jobs, their savings and their incomes. New World Order has worked hard at destroying those states that attempted to uphold Christian values like Rhodesia and South Africa, Southwest Africa, just examples of that. Uh, major players seeking to bring about this New World Order include the Trilateral Commission and the Council of Foreign Relations and the Bilderbergers. These are the groups working behind the scenes, but their more prominent tools are the United Nations and the World Council of Churches and the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank. And so we can see all of this as part of the ongoing war to bring about a new world order or new world disorder by the powers that should not be. And they are following the same kind of game plan that Satan has used before, <clears throat> such as when the people on the land of Shinar, present Iraq, try to build the Tower of Babel, as described in Genesis 11. And Nebuchadnezzar with his Babylonian Empire, and Alexander Great with his Greek Macedonian Empire, and the Roman Empire, and Genghis Khan, the Mongols, and Lenin and Stalin, the Communist International, and George Bush and um, Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev repeatedly spoke of a new world order in the early 1990s, and U.S. presidents like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and now uh, Joe Biden regularly speak of a new world order as being amongst their highest international priorities and the destruction of uh, those nationalist entities that are standing in the way of globalism as a key part of, of their whole goals. So the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we know we're in a war, we know we're in a battle, and at the heart of it in many ways is the battle for our heart and mind. And there's so many warnings in the scripture against being deceived and about the lie of Satan. So right now, this clash can be seen like those who are promoting evolutionism versus creation. You, know, you came from nothing. You're going nowhere. Life is meaningless. You're just a blob of tissue, matter in motion. We went from molecules to mud to monkeys to man, from goo to the zoo to you. A whole lot of time and a whole lot of nothing made everything. And, you know, to think that you came from nothing and you're going nowhere and life is meaningless Evolutionism is at the heart of this kind of attack on civilization. We believe in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and he is the eternal judge, and that gives us purpose, meaning, and gives direction, whereas evolutionism destroys it. It's almost an attempt to retroactively abort God. Abortion is a key part of the enemy's strategy. 
they're trying to bring down the uh, general population of the the West. They have a war against whites in particular. And you just think how many tens of millions of babies have been killed through abortion in the West, through this uh, agenda, which is plainly a demographic disaster. And back in 1910 at the world's first missions conference, white people made up 34% of the world's population. And today that's between 8 and 9% uh, of, of the world's population are made up of white people of European ancestry. So there's, you can see how abortion has been a major factor in their demographic decline of the West and to gain populations they can easily control. And we've got to choose life, not death. Today, they're promoting the worship of pleasure. <laughs> Hedonism, very much what you see in, in Hollywood. Well, we stand for the pleasure of worship, and we stand for holiness, not hedonism. The New World Order is pushing propaganda endlessly, but we need to know the truth of God's word. They're pushing deception, but we need to support discernment. Hollywood is at war with history. This is a true story, or this is inspired by true events, or this um, uh, is based upon uh, true events. And what they really mean is the names and the places might be true, but the facts have been changed to protect the innocent and to villainize and demonize the guilty. I mean, the deception of Hollywood. Well, we choose real history over Hollywood. And they're pushing pornography. We need to choose purity. They're pushing blasphemy. We want to honor God. They say you've got to follow peer pressure. We'd rather fear God, not man. And they're pushing perversion. But we choose families. They're pushing ignorance and cynicism. We choose knowledge and faith, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. They are giving us indoctrination, which tells you what you must think, whereas we choose education, which teaches you how to think. Being taught what to think is not the same thing as learning how to think critically. They're pushing political correctness, but we want freedom of thought. They're pushing repeating the mantras of the world. You must say this. But we would rather have freedom of speech. They're pushing, you must toe the party line, but we prefer freedom of the press. They want us to follow the herd like sheeple, but we believe in freedom of association. They're trying to push a one world interfaith, new age type religion, like Revelation 13 warns, a one world government, a one world economic system, a one world interfaith religion. But we choose freedom of religion. They want conformity. You must all wear this, do this, and so on. But we choose transformation, not conformity. They're pushing for degeneration. We would prefer regeneration. They're pushing for guilt manipulation. But we think it's better to have real repentance to actual violations of God's commands and repentance directed towards God rather than guilt manipulation by the mob and the media. They are pushing the politics of guilt and pity, but we prefer Christian missions and charity. We don't need the politics of guilt and pity. The enemy's agenda can be summed up in the word revolution, but we choose reformation, returning to the Bible for reformation revival. They are pushing regression. We want revival. The world tells you you've got to tattoo your body, but the Bible says you should respect your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the socialists are pushing compulsory confiscation, expropriation without compensation, uh, redistribution of wealth, whatever they want to call it, it's compulsory 
confiscation. We stand for voluntary generosity. So what's the difference between saying what's yours is mine and taking it and saying what's mine is yours and sharing? They're pushing socialism. We stand for free enterprise. They're pushing racial quotas. We believe in freedom of opportunity for all, not enforced freedom of results, which takes away freedom. Some people choose to live on drugs. Some people choose to be lazy. Some people choose to, to not study. Some people choose uh, to uh, indulge in vice, uh, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, gambling, and so on. You can't have equality of results if you're going to allow people freedom of opportunity. Freedom of opportunity is right. Freedom before the law is right, but not equality of outcomes because some people work harder than others. Some people sacrifice. Some people are more generous. Uh, you can't force conformity. Now, of course, they keep to talking about affirmative action. Well, we believe in Christian work ethic. They talk about human rights. Well, the Bible says a lot about human responsibilities. When I'm concerned with my responsibilities, respecting other people's right to life and right to to a property and sanctity of marriage and so on, if I am concerned about my responsibilities not to bear false witness against my neighbor, to love my neighbor, to do to others as I'd want them to do to me, then their rights are secure. But human rights often is a case of me demanding my rights at the expense of other people. It's a big difference, much better to focus on our responsibilities. Somehow or another, the foreign policies of the globalists and the neocons seem to end up with bombing other countries. You just think in 1999, NATO waged 17,000 aerial bombing sorties against the Serbs in what used to be Yugoslavia. 1999, 17,000 um, aerial bombing sorties against the uh, people in, in Serbia. And, uh, and why? Because they were involved in a war against Al-Qaeda-affiliated jihadists. And somehow or another, NATO, led by Bill Clinton to distract attention from his own crimes at home and his scandals, um, waged war against a Christian Orthodox country on behalf of Muslim terrorists. And that's not the only time they've done that sort of thing. And bombing other countries is not very constructive. I've had people in America say, you know, they hate us because we're free. And I've said, that's nonsense. Switzerland's free and nobody hates them. Uh, People hate you because you bomb them. Stop bombing other countries. Stop meddling in other countries. Stop organizing regime change and coup d'etats in other countries. Stop assassinating other countries' leaders. And then maybe people will stop hating you. And uh, it's got nothing to do with freedom. Um, Switzerland doesn't send out the, send in the Marines. They send in missionaries. The Red Cross. And uh, there's so much more that you can do to help others instead of bombing others. So instead of bombing other countries, rather send in Bibles. Instead of sending in the Marines, how about sending missionaries? The West is pushing salvation through politics. Just elect this person, elect this leader, enact this legislation, you will be saved. Well, there is no salvation through politics. But there is salvation in and through our Lord Jesus Christ alone. They say you must change laws to change people. We believe you change people's hearts and minds in order to transform society. And so, yes, we are in a war, and it's absolutely vital that we build strong families, that we keep our minds and our hearts renewed and regenerated, that we have our minds transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God instead of being conformed by the propaganda of the world. We need to know the truth. We need to study the truth in history and in the Bible so that we can resist the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. There is no doubt that we are at war. 
we are no, there's no doubt that there's a lot of wars being waged against us. And on this basis, the future of civilization itself is at stake. This isn't just a battle for Britain or America or for Europe. This is a battle for civilization and Christianity itself worldwide. And our enemies are the Frankfurt School of Cultural Marxism, who believe you've got to break every tie of blood, soil, nation, family, father, mother, break it all, break every bond, and they, which is the Sabbatean position. Break every law, break every bond, violate every principle, because they want a great collapse so that you can build back better. They want a global reset. And so we understand this is the war. And so we need the big picture. Sometimes we need to just step back and take the wide angle lens and see what's going on and recognize everything important is under attack. Everything in our faith and our families, everything in our Christian civilization is under attack. God himself is being attacked. Just as Psalm 2 warns us, there is a conspiracy of those in power wanting to wage war against God himself and against his anointed, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see it, not just in Psalm 2, not just in Revelation 13, we're seeing it all around us. We are involved in this war. It affects every one of us, whether we like it or not. And yes, the war in Ukraine, the conflict there has the potential to escalate out of control, but it's just part of the greater global ongoing war of the cancel culture globalism crowd who are Christophobic, who hate God. And just as was said by Lenin, we are fighting against God to snatch believers from. Alexander Solzhenitsyn described it in this way. He said, the world has never before known a godlessness as organized, militarized, and tenaciously malevolent as that preached by Marxism. Within the philosophical system of Marx and Lenin, at the heart of their psychology, hatred of God is the principal driving force. More fundamental than all their political and economic pretensions, militant atheism is not merely incidental or marginal to communist policy. It is not a side effect, but the central pivot. To achieve its diabolical ends, communism needs to control a population devoid of religious and national feeling, and this entails a destruction of faith and nationhood. Communists proclaim both these objectives openly, and just as openly put them into practice. That was from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, one of the greatest authors and historians of the 20th century, one of the greatest Russians of the 20th century. He nailed it, he understood it, he identified it. We are dealing with a system, the globalists of today, whether you're talking about the World Economic Forum of Klaus Schwab, Hatred of God is at its central pivot. It's not just marginal. They have diabolical ends when they talk about you will own nothing and, and you will be happy. And when they're talking about their vision of a globalist welfare state where everybody is dependent on the state for everything. Uh, you can see it. It's everything that George Orwell was warning against and more. It's everything that is warned about an animal farm in 1984. In Revelation 13, this beast system that wants a one world government, a one world economic system, a one world interfaith religious system. This uh, is what we're seeing around us, where you have to get some mark before you'll be even allowed to travel or, so to speak, buy or sell. This was warned about over 2000 years ago in the Bible. We need to be alert. Faith and freedom is not negotiable. These are absolutely essential. We need to stand 
for the truth. We need to speak up for the truth. We need to resist evil. And we need to know the word of God. We need to know history. We need to understand the times to know what God's people should do. So back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Very interesting information. Um, yeah, folks, this is a show you're going to want to go back to and listen to again and again because it really paints the picture of what we are facing. And I'm going to throw in something here because we have seen the censorship going up and up and up. And as you all know, I had my archival source that I've used to um, put, put my shows up which is uh, where you download them. You don't download them from my website, although there's a link in the show post, say click here to uh, listen to the show, and you can right-click that and download it. That's hosted somewhere else, okay? And I've been using this service for five years, over five years, and suddenly just stopped working. No explanation, no email, even though I'm registered, they have my email, etc. So then I started using another source, but that wasn't user-friendly for people because you could only download and some people like to play it um, on the uh, computer, etc. So I found another source and that has been working in the similar way to the source that I lost. But I did a show on Tuesday with Dr. Patrick Slattery and Paul Edward Stevenson and I uploaded it to the new repository for you to listen to or download from and I check my links after I upload it and then I go to test it today when I pub sorry on the Tuesday when I publish the show and the link doesn't work goes to an empty page so I had to use another link uh, from the download site put that below if the link wasn't working tried to re-upload the link it, the, the file is working now but they've taken it down once so they might take it down again the reason I'm going into that is it's not from a personal sort of complaining sense, although it's frustrating because you put this material together for you to listen to and it should be your decision if you want to listen to, not somebody else's. And what is concerning is that I hadn't even published the Patrick Slattery and Paul Edward Stevenson show, but there was something about it that they didn't like. So how would they know if they weren't listening in while I was recording it? Um hmm. But the, the, the point is, and the reason I want to throw this in, uh, I've chatted to Peter about this before the show. I've had three particular times that stand out to me where I've been blatantly censored in almost real time. The first was I had a guy called Harry Cooper on the show many years ago. Now, Harry Cooper believes that Adolf Hitler um, was drugged and Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun, rather, were drugged against their will, and they were smuggled out of Germany at the end of the war and uh, relocated to Argentina. And that Hitler, I believe, died in 1961 in Argentina, and I think Eva Braun lived a lot longer into the 1980s or what have you. A lot of people dismiss that because they say, oh, no, Hitler would never have abandoned his people. Well, he didn't abandon his people. He was drugged against his will and smuggled out. Uh, but whether you believe it or not, for me, that's a pretty innocuous story. Did Hitler die in 1945 in the bunker or did he die uh, in Argentina in 1961? There's so many different things that we can nitpick over and I don't see how that is something that would affect the powers that should not be. However, when I was communicating with Harry Cooper, I had my emails 
uh, to him blocked and he had his emails to me blocked. So we had to go through an intermediary that we both knew uh, and I'd have to email them. They would email that on to Harry and Harry would email them back who would email his reply to me. It was really quite crazy and I thought, you know, there's a lot more controversial topics that I cover than whether Hitler died in 1945 or 1961. But a few years ago, I was doing a show and I was talking about the transfer agreement. And there's a book uh, by Edwin Black that's on Amazon. Uh, you can get it. It's not been banned from Amazon. It talks about how there was a deal made by the National Socialist regime in Germany and the Zionists in Palestine for the transfer of Jews from Germany to Palestine and how they were able, it goes into the intricacies of how they could take all their goods with them, etc., etc. It's a bit more complicated, but essentially it was something that both people wanted. The Zionists needed a, a population and, um, yeah, I was talking about that when I was doing the show and suddenly my whole internet got cut off. The whole lot just went. Um, and then, most recently, the show with Dr Patrick Slattery and Paul Edward Stevenson, I read an article from the BBC, read it top to bottom, and it was criticising how Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov had accused, uh, made the accusation that Hitler had some Jewish ancestry. And I read out all these, um, you know, complaints from different people in Israel and what have you, and how awful it was that he said such a thing. And also read a section where the BBC gave their um, interpretation of where these claims originally came from and how they've been dismissed by mainstream historians. So I then went over to my book, The Synagogue of Satan, Updated, Expanded and Uncensored, because I had two other sources from books. So I read those two quotes, and then I followed it up with a letter I've received from Willis Carto, the founder of the Spotlight, Liberty Lobby, American Free Press, The Barnes Review, and so many other things, who sadly passed away not so long ago, who said... The idea that Hitler was Jewish was absolutely ridiculous. And he'd read my book, The Synagogue of Satan, which was then just The Synagogue of Satan, in its uh, early stages when Tex Mars was printing it, A Power of Prophecy. And he liked the book, but that was one thing he felt compelled to write to me to say, you know, that's something that's, that's wrong there. That's not true. So I gave a, a balanced account of some people who say it is true and some people who say it isn't true. And then the show disappears. And it got me thinking, and I wanted to run this by Peter, why are they so desperate? Why does this sort of Hitler business, you know, worry them so much? And I was thinking, and this is going to upset some people, and we did nine shows on the bad war, so I see the side of what Hitler did and the things that you could look at that seem to be extremely beneficial to his people. But the upshot of World War Two was the biggest death of ethnic Europeans in history. And what happened straight after World War II? Was or was that not used as justification to bring immigrants over from Africa and Asia because they needed people to replace those people who died in the war? So could that have been a whole staged event? I don't know, but Peter, you've an absolute scholar on World War Two. It is what I'm saying completely fanciful, or could there be any you know, rationale behind it? Well, we know that truth should be debated in the public square and iron should sharpen iron and we should look at the evidence and we should regularly re-examine 
theories and hypotheses in the light of evidence and archaeology and manuscript evidence and what the facts are. So why would one want to shut down debate? We want a vigorous debate in the free marketplace of ideas, which is uh, why uh, this hysteria right now against Elon Musk, because he's trying to restore freedom of speech to the town square and his people absolutely hysterically screaming that uh, this could be bad because if it's in the hands of a private person, he, he might be able to deplatform people and censor. But he's responding to the reality where Twitter has been censoring and deplatforming people, including the sitting president of the United States at the time, Donald Trump, who apparently had the largest Twitter following ever and Facebook following of uh, over 30 something million just on on. Uh, Facebook, and and they shut him down even while the Taliban could still do executions uh, on uh, live on Facebook and so on, and that apparently what was didn't violate the community standards. So you know, while pornographers and Satanists and uh, child traffickers and terrorists and mass murderers could have their accounts uh, without any problem uh, continuing, but they had to shut down people who they thought were against. Their narrative. Now, why should you allow a group of oligarchs? And it's intriguing to see how the term oligarch has changed over the years because uh, an oligarch is, is, you know, where you've got businessmen, very rich people who have undue influence in the economy and the politics of a country. Well, now if you turn to Wikipedia, oligarchs uh, only live in Russia. And gee, I would have thought we've got some banksters and billionaires in the West to interfere with uh, politics and uh, topple governments and so on. You know, just think of the George Soros and uh, Rockefellers and Rothschilds and uh, other many uh, different Oppenheimers and so on who've who've had undue influence in my country and others. And uh, since when are there only oligarchs in Russia? But the, the changing of the narrative and that you're not allowed to question. And even when they say Wikipedia is open sourced, you try and change any facts, even about a page that speaks about yourself, it'll revert back to whatever their, their principles were. So, for example, uh, Stephen Mitford Goodson, the economist in South Africa, the uh, one time uh, director of the Southern Reserve Bank, who became the whistleblower and wrote the book Inside the Southern Reserve Bank and then a history of central banking and enslavement of mankind. Stephen Mitford Goodson his, the Wikipedia page on him just describes him as a Holocaust denier and uh, anti-Semite and so on. Well, he corrected the information on, on Wikipedia and just immediately reverted back to the propaganda. So, you know, so much for it's open source and anyone can contribute. What a lot of rubbish. Um, it's, it's completely controlled. It's got a very anti-Christian, anti-freedom um, agenda. So when it comes to the First and Second World War, there is no question that sinister forces within the Freemasons and Illuminati worked to bring about these wars. And the results of both the First and Second World War was massive loss of life of Europeans and colossal catastrophe for Christian civilization. And in the First World War, of course, not just the collapse of three great empires, the German Empire, the Austrian Empire, and the Russian Empire, uh, but their replacement with the Soviet Union and uh, the, the Marxist uh, revolutionaries, everyone from Bela Kun in, uh, in Hungary with his revolution that killed hundreds of thousands of people, even though he's only in power for about a year, 
uh, before that revolution, Hungary was overthrown. You've got so much chaos that came out of the first and the second war. Just think of the Versailles Treaty and the first Yalta Agreement with the second, the betrayal of the whole of Eastern Europe into the hands of Soviet Union, the KGB, Operation Keelhaul, betrayal of millions of Russian, Ukrainian and other East Europeans and Western Europe into the hands of the NKVD who butchered many millions and the rest died as slaves in Arctic hellholes in Siberia, all through Operation Keelhaul betrayal of, of freedom, even though the narrative was we're fighting for freedom. But they sealed the Operation Keelhaul details for about 30 years. And you, you can think of all these different atrocities and how they lied for about 70 years to cover up the Katan forest massacre done by the Russian allies. And uh, the assassination of General Sikorsky, uh, the commander-in-chief of the uh, Polish uh, army and government in exile uh, by the British and Americans back in, in the 4th of July 1943 in Gibraltar. And so many different aspects where we can see what came out of the First and Second World War was overwhelmingly bad. The Soviet Union, the League of Nations, the United Nations, International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the whole uh, Warsaw Pact, one third of the world's population was soon under communist control um, with the fall of China. So at the end of the Second World War, the, the result was communism controlled a third of the world's surface and population. Absolutely catastrophic. So when you look at, at what's come out of previous wars and deceptions, great, re great collapse leading to great reset, when they're now talking about the need for a great collapse to bring about a new global reset and uh, uh, talking about potential third world war and how you can see there are so many politicians and media in the West right now who are hellbent, literally hellbent on escalating the conflict in Ukraine to a Europe wide, maybe even a world war, possibly even a nuclear exchange. It looks absolutely insane. You would have thought anybody with any common sense would be arguing to de-escalate and to get to the negotiation table and end this war immediately. And this was such an avoidable war. The, it was such an avoidable war because all that was needed was an assurance that Ukraine would not join NATO and that Ukraine would stop persecuting and bombing and murdering the people in the ethnic Russian areas like Donbass in, in eastern Ukraine. And... Uh, all they need to do was give an assurance, asked for as early as January this year from Vladimir Putin to Biden, give an assurance that America will not put missiles in Ukraine. I mean, how easy was that? You could have avoided a war in Ukraine so easily. But no, the powers that should not be have been hellbent on bringing about a, a confrontation, a conflict that has escalated already beyond what anyone could have dreamed possible even a few months ago. And this is the agenda of the left. They will use, sometimes people may be well-meaning and not understand uh, how they're being abused in these things. Um, I don't know that that's so in the case of Zelensky, for example. I mean, he's gotten something like $850 million in personal wealth uh, in the last few years since he became a president of uh, Ukraine, which indicates that he's probably corrupt. I don't think you earn that kind of money in that space-time legitimately. So uh, what we're dealing with is a lot of people know what they're doing and that they are being used to, to advance the New World Order agenda. But others might be uh, abused and not realize that they've been trapped or deceived or uh, goaded into reacting in such a way that would serve the causes of the New World Order. So, yes, as far as the First and Second World War, there's a lot that we should look at and see what we can learn, because I see a lot of history being repeated. 
There's no doubt in my mind that the goal of the globalists right now is to escalate this war. They either want a long-standing war or a very destructive war to bring about a global collapse, to bring about their great reset, which is another word for revolution. And this is obviously at its heart, Sabbatan. It's Luciferian. This is occultic. It's satanic. It's globalist. This, this is what the powers that should not be are moving for. And when they censor things, well, <laughs> why would they censor things unless they are afraid of the possible consequence of people thinking about those items? So truth does not fear investigation. Does it, Andrew? Back to you. Well, absolutely. I mean, when I look at some of the, say, for example, um, if you're quoting someone like Noel Ignatieff, um, I think that this is the sort of information, if this was the things that they were taking down, um, I'm just going to bring up some of the quotes. Because I've read these out so many times, but you could understand why they wouldn't want this information out there. Because the guy was Jewish, he was a Harvard professor, and here's a couple of them. The goal of abolishing the white race is on its face so desirable that some may find it hard to believe that it could incur any oppositions, opposition other than from committed white supremacists. Keep bashing the dead white males and the live ones and the females too until the social construct known as the white race is destroyed, not deconstructed, but destroyed. Now, folks, if we were to take the white race and put another race in there and to say that, do you think that we'd be prosecuted? I think we know the answer to that, certainly, you know, and, and but for some reason, this guy was not just, um, you, you know, allowed to say this. He was, this was published, this particular quote, in a book by Bernstein Singley, says harvardmagazine.com 2002, and the book was entitled When Race Becomes Real, Black and White Writers Confront Their Personal Histories. Then the next one. If you are a white male, you don't deserve to live. You are a cancer. You're a disease. White males have never contributed anything positive to the world. Again, if someone was to say that about any other race, they would be doxxed in America, what have you, in the country with the stiffer laws against free speech. They would be prosecuted. But for some reason, it's always one-way traffic. If it's the white race, they can say about them what they want. And that's what we're facing, and that's why I posed that question to Peter about was there a bigger thing in play with these world wars? Because the upshot of it was, let's be honest, it was the biggest execution of white people, the biggest eradication of white people in history. It centred in Europe, and then they weren't satisfied with just centering it in Europe. They had to bring a load of people over from America, again, that were the United States that were predominantly white. And there were other countries involved too, weren't there, Peter? We had Australia involved and, and South Africa brought in, is that correct? Yes, and absolutely catastrophic when you think of not just the, the people who died, but the young men um, uh, representing uh, future fathers and future potential grandfathers and uh, all their descendants wiped out too as a result. And then you think of all the women killed, like uh, two million uh, German civilians killed with the aerial bombardments of the US Air Force and uh, the uh, RAF uh, with the day and night bombings, um, thousand bomber raids, uh, literally leveling entire city centers, such as in Hamburg and Bremen and Cologne, uh, Dresden, uh, absolutely horrific. The loss of life, the, the culminative effect of wiping out mothers at 
that stage uh, in their life and you know what 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 is this doing in the future and so that's why from 1910 uh, the uh, white population has gone from 34% of the world's population down to between 8 and 9% today and uh, that is part of the war against whites interesting the same people who say there's no such thing as race um, accuse us of racism and uh, just by virtue of being white and then they accuse us of of white supremacy. Now, I don't know anyone who's walking around speaking about white supremacy, but I do know many who are promoting black supremacy, Jewish supremacy, Muslim supremacy, Arabic supremacy. There's, there are a lot of Arabic supremacists. There's a lot of Jewish supremacists. There's um, a lot of black supremacists. And you, you hear it. I mean, it's not just uh, the Farrakhan's and Malcolm X's of this world um, promoting black supremacy, uh, Robert Mugabe and others. Uh, you know, that the blacks are the most superior and strong and everything else. And the Jewish have always been speaking like that. In fact, a Superman, the comic, <clears throat> is based on a Jewish Superman image. And um, <clears throat> this also explains why uh, the Superman comic, the enemy is Lex Luthor. Lex stands for law. And Luther, of course, leader of the Protestant Reformation. Lex Luthor is the enemy. And uh, in fact, uh, there, there's... Um, a uh, whole uh, explanation out and saying is Superman Jewish, and of course, he is. He's he's part of the whole um, concept of Jewish supremacy, and uh, both the Talmud uh, speak about uh, Jewish supremacy, and that the Goyim are, are worthless filth who uh, are only there to be slaves uh, for and to be plundered uh, by by the chosen people, and the rest are, are just Goyim heathen. And you get in Islam as well that the Muslims are, are the most uh, advanced people um, uh, in the world and that everyone else is subservient and, and below them. So there are other groups that teach supremacy of their race and of their culture. And in fact, in the Second World War, uh, the Japanese certainly had that view. The Chinese have that view that they supremacist. Uh, it's been for over a century. The term foreign and devil is a compound noun in China, foreign devils. And uh, so there's quite a few groups that have a supremacist view of their race. And even while there's people saying there are no races, um, they continue to want racial legislation through affirmative action to give preferential treatment to people of other races and to penalize and demonize uh, the white race, uh, which if no race exists, it sort of makes one wonder why this is being done. So the hypocrisy and the double standards here is huge. But yes, <laughs> There's no doubt that there has been a war on whites, and you can see how the world population has diminished dramatically, and they've achieved this through wars, through revolutions, through genocides, through massacres, like uh, as Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, who speaks of the 66 million Christians uh, killed in Russia uh, by Jewish Bolsheviks, and uh, his 200 years to get a book is, is quite a shocker, but uh, Solzhenitsyn has documented that this is the unseen Holocaust. I mean, how many films have been made on the Gulag Archipelago and the the uh, Bolshevik um, genocides of Christians in, in Russia? And you just look at Russia's population today, it's pitiful. Um, uh, something like 150 million. Uh, Russia should have a far bigger population than America right now. And America's over 300 million. Where's, where, where have the people gone? Well, it's because the Bolsheviks slaughtered over 66 million Russians, most of whom were Orthodox Christians. Um, uh, under Stalin and Lenin in particular. So, uh, yes, uh, where 
is the balance. When I speak about holocausts, people forget the real holocausts have been against Christians, from the Armenian Christians uh, in Turkey, all the way through to the Christians of Germany and of Europe and of Eastern Europe and of Russia, uh, massacred by the Bolsheviks. And uh, we need to uh, realize where the real supremacists are. And it, it's a teaching in the Talmud, it's a teaching in the Quran, it's a view of many black uh, radical groups. And uh, it's, when you talk about racial supremacy, I would say it's far more coming from the other races. The whites must be the most self-effacing, self-critical, and the most concerned about everyone else. And the people who've done the most missionary work and the most charity work and who are concerned to save everything from the dolphins to um, uh, babies uh, involved in child trafficking in India. So uh, it's it's the reality is basically the opposite of what the media is portraying. Uh, the ones who are claiming to be the victims are often the villains, and the people who are being villainized and demonized are often the real victims. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And uh, before we go, could you please let the audience know how they can contact you and where they can find your work? Yes, please. Uh, visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. And my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za, or as Americans would say, ZA. So peter at frontline.org.za. I'm also on, on uh, Facebook. You can find either Frontline Fellowship or Peter Hammond on Facebook as well. Uh, look forward to hearing from anyone. And of course, we've brought out my new book, which is now available as an ebook and in print on demand as well Frontline Behind Enemy Lines for Christ. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter, and I thoroughly recommend that book. I've got my copy, and uh, it is fascinating. It's got some wonderful images in. It's taken a long uh, while to put together, and uh, you're going to be missing out if you don't see that. This is like a biography of both uh, Frontline Fellowship and Peter um, and the mission as a whole, and uh, the images alone are just fascinating. Uh, Forty years on the front line as a missionary. So I want to thank Peter so much for joining me today on a show entitled The Real War That Threatens Every One of Us. Peter will be returning in three weeks' time. I will be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, I want to thank all of you for listening. And bye for now. <laughs>